Welcome to Hoosier Ag This Week, recapping the week in Indiana farm news and markets and looking ahead with the new Indiana farm forecast. I'm Andy Eubank from the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Annual Convention in Kansas City with Eric Pfeiffer and C.J. Miller. Here at our meeting in KC, we have the chance to speak with representatives of ag companies and newsmakers from USDA, the commodity groups, and others. And we'll bring you some of those discussions on this edition of Who's Your Ag This Week. So let's hear from Eric and CJ now, starting with you, Eric, who's on the program today. Well, Andy, I'm excited about today's program because we've got Mike Steenhook. He's the executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. And I had to break the news to him that I'm going to be headed on a trip with him next month. Uh, the Indiana Soybean Alliance, kind enough to bring me along on a trip to the Panama Canal. We're experiencing a lot of similar things there as what we are in the Mississippi River, and Mike Steenhook has that coming up later on in the program. CJ? Yeah, Eric, coming up, I had a chance to chat with Josh Linville. He's with StoneX. He's their vice president of fertilizer. He had some good news about fertilizer prices, but he also had some words of caution about where fertilizer prices may go in 2024. I also had a chance to catch up with a gentleman by the name of Mike DePala. He's the chief commercial officer with Indiana-based Tyrannus, and they have a software program called Acre Forward Intelligence that is uh, incredibly unique. And Sabrina Halverson is here as well in Kansas City. You'll hear from USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack and the latest USDA farm policy. But we begin with the farm bill and it was a good week to be here in Kansas City with the people who know about what's going on in D.C. with that farm bill, a newsmaking week. Absolutely. We're here in KC, but D.C. is where everything's happening. But again, a lot of the newsmakers here to chat about it. A continuing resolution to fund the government through early next year made its way through the House and Senate this week. That continuing resolution also extends the 2018 farm bill for another year. Here in Kansas City, I spoke with Minnesota farmer Tom Haig. He's chairman of the National Corn Growers Association, and I got his reaction to the farm bill extension. It's good news, at least now the farmers have an idea where we're standing. You know, it's uh, before we were saying, okay, we're maybe thinking of extension, maybe not, but now we know that we have an extension that, uh, you know, and the other good thing is we got money now to keep our government doors, the lights on. So that's that was one of the other good things that happened. But now with this, pretty much everything I think has been covered and talked about a lot with our farm bill. So now it's just a matter of getting time out in D.C. for the politicians to get together so the House and Senate can get it through their sides to, uh, to get it passed. And, uh, you know, it'd be nice to see it done early in the year because once summer hits, their minds are going to go for re-election time, and uh, then I don't know if, uh, if that's one's, it won't be on the top of their priority list as it is right now. Well, Tom, that's what I was going to mention. I think some of them may already be looking toward re-election, and you know what I'm talking I, about here. I know here. what you're talking about there. So, so is there concern that this thing doesn't get done, and, and do we just keep kicking the can down the road here, or is there optimism amongst you and other farmers within your group that, yeah, it can get done early in 2024? Well, I think that puts a lot of more talk back on to, especially us with National Corn Growers, that we keep that communications going with the House and the Senate side with Chairman Thompson and uh, Chair, Chairwoman Stabenow to say, hey, let's get going with this right at the beginning of the year because the longer they don't get it on their schedule, 
there's only a certain amount of days that they are allowed, you know they have to work out there so we need to get it pushed right at the end of the right at the beginning of the year start talking farm bill so that we could get it passed by that March April timeline Tom when when we were going through this process gosh over a year ago I would often use the line that I think a lot of farmers would be happy if they'd stop using the term rewrite the farm bill and talk about copy and paste the existing one and we we, we did get that one extended now but there are still a couple of sticky issues in there. I know reference prices are one of them that you'd still like to see taken care of. If everything else stayed the same, what are the top couple of things that you really hope gets taken care of with a new farm bill? With that new farm bill, we want to make sure that it's been our number one priority since day one is the crop insurance. It works. It Leave it alone. Don't try to negotiate out of it or whatever because the farmers use it, and it's a toolbox that each farmer doesn't have to say, well, I got to use this percentage or whatever. It's his choice what he wants to use. The, you know, the other thing that happened last year during one of our corn congresses is that uh, we, have never, we haven't had a base increase in our corn, soybeans, or whatever for over 20-some years. It's time to get that up to date. So we passed a new resolution in our book to update the base acres. Some states don't like it. Other ones do. So that is something that we'd like to see just to bring it up to date to give the farmers a chance that in their states that don't have a great corn base that it would be brought up to where they're at right now. Tom, looking outside of the farm bill, there are other issues impacting corn growers, ethanol production. Uh, it, it, it kind of ebbs and flows here. And, and, you know, we had the big peak in ethanol production back in the day. And, we are starting to see some, you know, in Indiana, where I am at, the, an, an, an ethanol plant reopened after closing not too terribly long ago. Um, what, what do you see as the future of the ethanol industry? Is this still a, a growing option for corn growers? You know, one of the things that we have that we're looking for is that we have the infrastructure already with our ethanol. It's there. It's, it's, it's at the pumps. More states are using it. You know, the USDA just came out with some more money for gas stations to improve their tanks or their pumps to help them that with that cost. So that is a big plus and what we've been in ethanol 25 years we've proven it works it's just you know so there's a lot of opportunity we feel with if we could get E15 year-round would be a big plus and you know then it'd be the next working at the next gen's fuel act and that counteracts a little bit with uh, the electric vehicles. And we know if we can get an engine and using a higher octane that we can compete on the same level with the electric vehicle if they want to start from zero like they make us do to go right to the top, that we can compete with that because they're not using all that technology that has to go into the batteries and all that. They're just saying, well, there's no emissions coming out of the tailpipes. Well, let's go right from day one to, day, to the ending day and we can compete with that. And then, then it's the next other big thing is the SAF, S-A-F, with uh, the airline industry. If we can get our ethanol into that program, that's going to give ethanol also another big boost. And that's one thing that, you know, we're talking with the airlines and uh, EPA about getting that Greek model used and so our ethanol plants can show that they're being consistently and uh, that they're, uh, I forget some of the terms that they throw at us, but that we can compete 
and uh, be a safe product uh, for the uh, for the airline industry. Minnesota farmer Tom Haig, chairman of the National Corn Growers Association, part of Eric Pfeiffer's conversation with him. The markets now. It was a sell-off on Friday. Why? Brian Basting spoke with us near the end of trade. The market had been gaining support from the dryness, particularly in northern Brazil, where those beans are farthest along. Those are the beans that are going to be setting pots, filling pots from Thanksgiving through Christmas. Uh, but now they're saying that there's maybe a change in the weather pattern starting around Tuesday, Wednesday next week, which would be just a day or two, of course, before our Thanksgiving. But maybe uh, at least for a brief period of time, maybe one to two inches of rain in some of those areas, it's not a a tremendous amount. Uh, it's actually a little bit below average for this time of year for those folks. But just the pattern change is enough to make the bean market nervous. But with the meal market making contract highs, beans are the leader across the um, grain and oil seed complex. Corn, it's trouble finding a footing, and that's a common theme for weeks now. We are seeing some export demand at these lower prices, Andy. Mexico especially has been a dominant buyer of U.S. corn. However, the yields that we're hearing out of the eastern corn belt, I don't want to say it's universally true, but it sure seems like it's generally true that they're very, very strong. On the Hat Friday Farm Market Review, everything down. December corn, 467, seven and three quarters down. Eight cents lower, March contract, 485 and a quarter. Beans lead lower again, January 1340 and a quarter, a 20 cent loss, 18 and a half off on the March at 1356 and a half. December wheat, 550 and three quarters, down two and three quarters. Meats mixed, December live cattle up a dollar, 175.75, and December lean hogs down a half dollar at 70.97. And you're up to date now on the markets. I'm Andy Eubank. This is Who's Your Ag This Week. In Indiana, there isn't a country road, county highway, or interstate where you don't pass a farm. I'm Bruce Kettler, President and CEO of the Agribusiness Council of Indiana. Those of us involved in agribusiness understand the importance of our industry. ACI exists to advocate for the needs of our members and the whole of Indiana agribusiness at the State House and beyond. We hope you'll join us. Visit our website, inagribiz.org, to get your membership started today. The Agribusiness Council of Indiana, strengthening and connecting Indiana agribusiness. After a relatively atypical weather week for November, Mother Nature is about to remind us what time of year it really is here in about a week or so. With the Indiana Farm Forecast on Hoosier Ag this week, here's Hoosier Ag Today Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin. Your weekend here right now doesn't look too shabby. Partly to mostly sunny skies for your Saturday, your Sunday, and shoot, I'm going to throw that into Monday of this coming week as well. Temperatures not even remotely close to what we got used to, I'm going to say, this prior week with well above normal temperatures, but I think we're within a stone's throw of normal, so uh, 50s aren't out of the question. Upper 40s are likely here, and overnight lows down in the 20s are going to be a thing of normalcy here for the next a few days. Not a bad setup. We're dry through the entire weekend and start of next week as well, so there's still ample opportunity to be in the fields. Where things start to get a little interesting is this coming Tuesday. A system out of the Four Corners area kicks out and moves towards us. It's going to bring rain and thunderstorms into the Hoosier State Tuesday into early Wednesday. However, 
we're continuing to see signs that the focal point of this system may want to stay a little bit farther south. Tennessee Valley, deep south. And if that's the case, we see less moisture coming. I'm still going to say right now the potential for a quarter to one inch of moisture is here, but I'm going to back coverage off to about 60% of the state right now. And the same features behind the front are coming, and that is bitter cold air. So there's a moisture, rain coming Tuesday, but I think the moisture is out of here by the time the cold air arrives, and then we are significantly colder for Wednesday on through the rest of next week. Wednesday itself, strong northwest flow comes in here, and I think we have to allow for lake effect cloud cover to hit a large part of the state. Lake effect precipitation, probably limited to the usual suspect areas in northern parts of Indiana, but clouds can come in everywhere for Wednesday. Thanksgiving Day on Thursday, we take a break on the lake effect a little bit. I think we see decent sky conditions, partly sunny skies, but we are still cold for that trip to Grandma's house. And then as we move through the end of the week, a reinforcing shot of cold air coming down. Not so much Friday, but overnight Friday night into Saturday. I think Friday sees a mix of clouds and sunshine with the chill in the air. That reinforcing shot of cold air on Saturday brings a chance for a little bit of moisture, rain, and or wet snow. Liquid equivalencies anywhere from a few hundreds to maybe three or four tenths. That is all. Lots of clouds for your Saturday. And then brutally cold for Sunday the 26th. And we stay that way into the week of the 27th. As a matter of fact, a large part of the country is under this Arctic blast. Cold air all the way down to the Gulf Coast into central Texas. Yeah, it's going to be a significant surge of cold air across the region next week or into the start of next week. I'm meteorologist Ryan Martin. Staying informed on the markets, the weather, and world events has always been important to those of us in agriculture. Today, staying informed is critical, but now it's easier than ever. The Hoosier Ag Today mobile app puts up-to-the-minute information in the palm of your hand 24 hours a day. Download the free Hoosier Ag Today app for your mobile device at the Apple Store, Google Play, or at HoosierAgToday.com. Welcome back to Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm C.J. Miller in Kansas City, reporting from the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention, and this is Hoosier Ag Today. Well, the USDA Secretary made a couple of announcements during the NAFB convention here in Kansas City regarding plans to increase trade for U.S. ag products. Sabrina Halverson joins us now and has this report. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack on Thursday announced the next steps in the U.S. Department of Agriculture's efforts to bolster U.S. agricultural trade, including the department's planned trade missions for 2024 and the opening of a public comment period for new regional agricultural promotion programs. The key to trade is is people, uh, presence, and promotions. Uh, and these resources will allow us to continue to expand our reach uh, into markets uh, that are non-traditional to complement the work that we're doing in the more traditional ag markets. Vilsack said market diversification is an important tool for maximizing growth opportunities for U.S. agriculture, as well as hedging the risk of market contraction and general volatility in the global marketplace. In March, uh, we're looking forward to uh, a trade mission to South Korea. In April, uh, the trade mission will be headed to India. In June, the trade mission will be in Canada. July, we'll see us traveling to Colombia. September, we'll do uh, an event in Vietnam, which will also have some Thailand uh, opportunities and influences, and December uh, we'll finish with a trip to Morocco, which will also allow us to have some northern African uh, nations involved. And so you can see from the trade promotion uh, and trade mission area 
that we're looking for diversifying uh, our market opportunities. In October, Secretary Vilsack announced that USDA will use $1.3 billion from the Commodity Credit Corporation funds to establish RAP to bolster and diversify U.S. agricultural export opportunities and strengthen support for specialty crop industries. The investment will enable American exporters to enter new markets and expand market share in current and growing markets. I'm Sabrina Halverson. Well, Indiana farmers have been paying less for fertilizer here recently, but there are several things to consider when making your fertilizer plans and purchases for next spring. Josh Linville is vice president of fertilizer with StoneX. He says there's been some good news recently when it comes to fertilizer prices and availability. Fortunately, if you go back to the spring of 22, current prices for nitrogen and potash are about a third of what they were. Uh, now, since we reset those numbers and hydrous has rallied up quite a bit, UAN has gone up, but we are still a fraction of what they were. Uh, phosphate was about half of what it was. So we've seen prices down substantially. And fortunately, when you look at like December 24 corn, it's held on. It still has a five handle on it. It's a very good thing. It makes for a very good ratio, that fertilizer to grain ratio. But he adds a number of things can quickly change, which can impact fertilizer prices between now and next spring. There's going to continue to be volatility, and I know that's frustrating. We wish it wasn't a part of it. It's a part of life. It's just, it is what it is. So we can either embrace it or we can have it just beat us into the ground. I'd rather embrace it and just roll with it and look for the opportunities. We're continuing to talk about the whole situation where when we see an opportunity where we can buy the fertilizer and sell that grain, and lock in a margin that way, that's a great way of taking that risk off the table. So continue to look at those relationships. Linville recommends that you continue talking with your fertilizer retailer. They would much rather sell your product at $200 than $800. It's a much easier sale. With all the things that are going on, the price risk, the interest rates, the river situation, the truck situation, the rail, everything else that's out there, they are struggling just as much trying to figure out what to do. We need to be having more conversations with them. And I'm not saying you have to just give them everything you possibly have and buy the second they do it. But the more conversation you can have, the better they can plan to be ready for when you arrive and say, I'm ready to pull the trigger. Let's go. You can hear more from fertilizer expert Josh Linville on the new Hoosier Ag Today mobile app, a free download for iPhone and Android. Well, if you're an Indiana corn and soybean producer, you're already planning now for next year's growing season. And there's a company based out of Westfield, Indiana, that's using the latest technology, as well as a team of advisors to help you maximize your yields for 2024. So whether it's a drone or a plane or a satellite, yeah, Tyrannus is your best bet because we can make sense of it, but we bring the right partners to the table so you can engage with that data and make an actionable decision. And that's Mike DePaula, Chief Commercial Officer with Tyrannus. His company has a platform called Acre Forward Intelligence that takes scouting your fields to the next level. You can get a leaf level view of every acre of your farm, understand your stand count, understand your weed pressure, understand nutrient deficiencies, diseases, things like this. But what makes it even more powerful is if you're a grower now, you can actually get the advice from your coach, from your trusted advisor, opposite these beautiful images that are quantified of your field. So it's game tape for your acre. It's understanding how am I performing, what can I change now to win this season, and what do I need to repeat or change to do better in the next season. He says that Acre Forward Intelligence gives you real-time data to your iPhone, Android, or tablet to help you make decisions more quickly and with more certainty to get the most of your yields come harvest. But what it enables you to do is, did I get the start that I wanted? How is that hybrid performing? Was that the right seed treatment for me? Did I manage the weeds properly? How is it responding to the nutrition that I'm providing? 
is it really withstanding the disease that it's supposed to? And then when you get to the combine, because a lot of people are looking at this, do you know the result you got? With Tyrannus, with Acre Forward, you will have no doubt as to how to repeat the successes and avoid the failures and stop the yield robbers going into next season. DePaula says that Acre Forward Intelligence by Tyrannus was developed to bring people together and add to your team, not take the place of your team. If you've been in this industry, technology is always about cutting somebody out, getting a better price. What our technology does is it brings people and information together so you can all make a better decision and so you can build a prosperous community in Indiana, in Michigan, so everybody can be part of this and everybody can bring their skills to the table. And what we see with our advisors and our growers is the best retailers and the best growers are using this technology to really test themselves and figure out how to get more from their acre and how to respect that acre and respect that legacy so they can use what they need to use and they can make sure that they're doing what's best for them, not only in the short term, but for the long term. He adds that Westfield and the Indianapolis area have been an outstanding location for Tyrannus as its global headquarters. Great economic environment to grow, great place to be. It's, you know, there's a lot of great places, Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois. It's good to be around corn and soybeans and be part of the community. I'm actually from Howard County. Hamilton's great, but we have people from all over, whether they come out of Purdue, whether they're in Howard County, whether they're in Tipton County. We're able to draw from a lot of resources and we're able to reach in and really use the best that Indiana has to offer to make sure that this global company continues to work. So we're able, we're a global company, but Indiana is just such a growing, important place to be. There's not really a better place to live, raise a family, and grow a crop. To learn more about Acre Forward Intelligence by Tyrannus, visit acreforward.com. You can also hear more of my conversation with Mike DePaula with Tyrannus on the new Hoosier Ag Today mobile app. It's a free download for iPhone and Android. You can also check it out at HoosierAgToday.com. More from Kansas City and the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention coming up. I'm C.J. Miller for Hoosier Ag Today, and this is Hoosier Ag This Week. At an Indiana dairy farm, long work days stretch into more labor after sunset. A newborn calf needs watching. Barn needs cleaning. Tractor needs some handiwork for tomorrow's tasks. Just like in your own home, the day's chores are never done until the family beds down for the night. Dairy farmers and their families share the same dream with all of us, that what we all do is worthwhile. Bringing to market pure, safe, and healthy dairy foods is what they do, from Indiana's dairy families to ours every single day. Learn more at winnersdrinkmilk.com. Every farm needs a good set of hand tools. Well, here's one that's free, and one you'll find yourself reaching for several times a day. The new Hoosier Ag Today mobile app. With markets, weather, and breaking farm news, along with the daily Hoosier Ag Today podcast on your mobile device 24-7. Download the Hoosier Ag Today mobile app from the Apple Store or Google Play. The Hoosier Ag Today mobile app. Add it to your toolbox today. Welcome back to Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm Eric Pfeiffer from Hoosier Ag Today. We're running down the top news in Indiana and U.S. agriculture. And we're doing so this week from Kansas City, the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Annual Convention. And happy to run into Mike Steenhook. Mike is the executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. And I was telling Mike, I said, I'm sorry I have to break the news to you, but I think that we're taking a trip together next month. I- I'm really excited. I'll be headed down to Panama to take a look at the Panama Canal down that way, uh, joining the Indiana Soybean Alliance going down there, the Soy Transportation Coalition doing a, uh, a trip down there as well. Mike, let's, let's just talk about 
all of the transportation things. We've been hearing a lot of what's been happening on the Mississippi, the low water levels. When we do head down to Panama next month, what are we expecting to see? Yeah, and unfortunately, the, the drought conditions that are inhibiting the transport of, of soybeans and other freight on the Mississippi River is also manifesting itself down at, down at Panama with the Panama Canal. Each year, about 600 million bushels of U.S. soybeans utilize the canal on its journey to customers in Asia. So it's a really critical link in our supply chain. And unfortunately, they're experiencing drought conditions, which is inhibiting the operation of the canal. It's a, the canal is, because it uses locks, it has to have fresh water from the high elevation to make the locks operate. And so the fact that they have lower water at their high elevation reservoir is limiting their water depth that they're permitting for their ships for each passage, but even more consequently, they are limiting the number of transits per day, and that's causing some buildup and some queues to amass outside the canal. So it's obviously a big issue and something that's you know, worth us being very attentive to. And again, I'm looking forward to the trip down there to take a look for myself. We'll get some video up on our social media pages, up on our website as well at whosyouragtoday.com. Mike, other than just Mother Nature taking care of us, getting us some more rain, what is the fix to this? I know with the Soy Transportation Coalition, you know, especially along the Mississippi where we've had these issues, you know, we've talked about the infrastructure there and some things that can be done, but is, is there anything else that can be done other than praying for more rain? Yeah, clearly, you know, a lack of precipitation is the culprit. An abundance of rainfall will be the elixir. So that's that's really the, the, the bottom line to it. But I will say one of the things that we've observed, fortunately, this year compared to last year, which is another historically low water level event, is that the Army Corps of Engineers and the private sector dredging industry, they've done a pretty good job this year of being out front of the problem. You know, the best time to respond to a challenge or a catastrophe is before the catastrophe rather than after it. And one of the one of the takeaways from last year is it's better to be proactive than reactive when it comes to dredging. We saw entering into 2023, our soils were dehydrated, water levels were low. And if we had a scarcity of precipitation in the spring and the summer, we were going to find ourselves in a very similar scenario as we were last year. So that what that did is it really triggered some advanced dredging activity. So the problem would be much worse than it currently is because we've done such a we've done a pretty commendable job of, of dredging to keep that channel operating. Again, I'm with Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. When we when we talk about these things, can can you put a number to this? I mean, how how is this impacting transporting soybeans and, and other grains? I, I know that you know traffic along uh, that route it's limited because of the low water levels. Do, do we have a number that farmers can look at and be like, boy, th this is a real problem? When you look at the fact that. You know, each individual barge, they're light loading it about with a, re with a reduction of about 25% per barge. So you look at a 55,000 bushels in a single barge and then 25% of that, that's a, that's a pretty significant uh, downshift on the capacity. And then also limiting the number of barges you can attach together because not only is the channel less deep, it's actually more narrow. So you can't get as many barges together. And that's what really drives the economics of barge transportation, those two things. So, you know, it, it clearly is having a, a detrimental impact on our, on our, on our exports. Um, what's unfortunate is our exports are actually down uh, compared to prior years. So there, there isn't as much of demand pull um, on our infrastructure and on the supply of it as you normally have. So 
the good news is if it it's not much of a consolation prize, but the the freight rail industry is saying because exports are down, you, we they can absorb some of this modal shift away from the river onto rail. So yeah, but again, I think the bottom line is a major conduit for soybeans and grain to reach the international marketplace, the Mississippi River is not operating at full throttle. Other modes of transportation, you do focus on other things other than just the Mississippi, the Panama Canal. Is everything okay there? I know we've had some issues in the past with some some of the, the, the trains. And the, is everything else okay right now? Are we getting everything where it needs to go otherwise? Yeah, you know, overall, you know, we've rebounded from the, the COVID downturn. You know, we, we still see some real kind of tension between labor and management. You know, we've had that at our ports. We've had it at, recently at the St. Lawrence Seaway, a week-long strike. Um, but we are recovering from the downturn uh, in our supply chain system due to COVID. So that's obviously good news. But, you know, it's just kind of a reminder that in agriculture, you can get supply right, you can get demand right, but you also have to get transportation right. Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. Look forward to seeing you in Panama next month, Mike. Thanks. Looking forward to it. Thanks. And that does it for this edition of Who's Your Ag This Week. We'll do it again next week. Same hat time, same hat channel. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you then. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. Who's Your Ag Today? Indiana's Farm Network.